A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four... <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden buzz in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, drivers recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it's suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with a dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome, this is Golf. Andrew Dado is my name. Nice to have your company. Uh, this is really just a podcast about the love of the game. And um, I tell you, the last few podcasts, the last three actually, have been with the heavy hitters of the Callaway Golf Company. Now, they've had a lot to launch. They've got a lot to be excited about. Ram won again with the Paradigm Driver. Um, and one of the people I spoke to was Luke Williams. Now, he's the Senior Director of Product and Brand Management Putters for Callaway. And at the end of our discussion, I said that I had a, an issue with my own putter. Now, that wasn't for me to go, oh, mate, you know, I'd love to check out your Odyssey putters. It was just to say I had an issue with mine. And the issue is basically this. Uh, I don't know if you know, I've made my own wooden putter. I've made a few of them, actually. I gave one to my mother. I gave one to a guy at the golf club who looked at mine and went, geez, that looks good. If you ever make another one. So I did make another one and I let him have it. And his handicap came down from whatever it was and he's now maybe 15. He's now an eight marker. So I've turned up. I'm on the putting green. I'm playing with one of the club legends. And he's looked at my putter and said, mate, I hope you play with that putter in the club championships because you will lose once you've putted with it. And I said, why is that? He said, that is illegal. That is an illegal putter and it's not certified. And I was like, I thought he was joking, so I laughed, and he didn't. And so I said, oh, you are serious? And he said, absolutely. I'm absolutely serious, mate. That thing's not certified. Now, it got me on a thought pattern. Is everything certified? Does the RNA or is the USGA have a copy of every single club that's ever been made? And how do I actually get my putter certified if that's what I need to do? So... I've reached out to, well, one guy I know, and then I've been Google stalking other people who make wooden butters, and I'm not alone. Isn't that just the best? There's more of me. Uh, so that's what I want to just investigate over the next few weeks is, you know, can you actually tool around with timber, with whatever, you know, with a... Uh, uh, what are those, those 3D printers? Can you do things at home to create something for yourself and bring it to the game and enjoy it. So today, um, I just thought I'd just 
try the rules at a very basic level. And that's with Ben Doney. So Ben uh, used to work on the golf show, which is a thing I used to do with Fox Sports with Paul Gow. He's now the head teaching professional at Terry Hills. He's a certified PGA professional, 19 years experience in the industry. Um, and as I say, he was a, a rules official. And that's one of the things that we talked about uh, and other things as well. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, it's it's about Ben and Ben's love of the game and his experience with the game. But also, what do you do about this wooden putter business? Like if you've made something, how do you know if it's real and uh, that you shouldn't get uh, stitched up by blokes at your golf club or are you outside the rules? I just want to be inside the rules. So this is Ben Doney, head teaching professional at Terry Hills. And we started where we always start, which is where I love starting in this podcast. I hope you like it as well. And that is, when did you get into the game of golf? So this is Ben Doney and we're going to get to that wooden part of shortly. I hope you enjoy it. So I have worked with Ben Doney. We did the golf show together. We did rules, actually, because Ben's a rules official, no longer accredited, is my understanding. Correct. But he's still deep within the game. He's one of the pros at Terry Hills. Just watched him give a guy a lesson who turned his left to right into a beautiful little right to left. Ben, let's start with this. How did you get into golf? Well, originally it was through rugby league. I was playing rugby league uh, with a couple of mates of mine, and one of the, their old men took me down to Long Reef, actually, and... Um, we, we followed him around and hit a few balls and one guy spotted me and said I should play junior pennants. And Hang on, how old were you? I was uh, 14. But, so no one's ever p- had their first round of golf and then been spotted and said you should play junior pennants, have they? Yeah, I don't. Is that what happened? I don't, that's exactly what happened. So about two weeks later they got me into the club and got me a handicap, which was 27. What? Put me in the pennant team and then a year later I was off four. So yeah, it was, it was quite good. I was 15 and they let me join the club and that's how... I, I went into golf. So you're in, so you're obviously a naturally gifted or have a natural penchant for yeah. golfing. Yeah, I was actually. So I um, I was a, a jack of all spades, a master of none. So I played every sport, tennis, baseball, soccer, golf, everything. But um, I was playing rugby league. I love rugby league, but all the um, kids got a bit bigger than me. Yeah. And the old man said, well, it's up to you. I was playing sort of baseball, rugby league, and then golf at the time. And said choose one and I chose golf and that was the end of it. So were you good at rugby league? Yeah I was pretty good at rugby league as far as park football goes. A couple of trials with Manly and Harold Matthews but never got in the side so um, yeah it was all all for a reason so yeah it was good. And so what is it about golf that lights you up or lit you up then and has it changed? That's a good question because I I loved it down at Long Reef. I used to go out in the afternoons and play by myself and I used to love the beach and the ocean, so I was surrounded by that. So I sort of had two of my favourite things down there. I could play golf and then jump in the water and not having a car when I first started. Uh, Mum and Dad just dropped me off in the morning. I'd spend the whole day there. Yeah, wow. You know, I'd, I'd park and I'd chip and play holes and jump in the water. And it was it was fantastic, yeah. But, um, yeah, I lost a bit of that passion, I reckon, when I was sort of 18, 19. And I, I finished school and, you know, obviously had my licence and chasing girls and went to college and did all that. Um, college here? Yeah, college here. College in Australia, like a business college. Did some sports management and ended up getting a job at 19 with the Australasian PGA Tour. So then I was around golf sort of for the next five or six years, um, not playing myself, but all around the pros and around the big tournaments. Did you, um, did you have a, um, a vision of yourself as a 
professional? Well, well, I I didn't at first. Oh, I, did, I didn't at first because I, I I started working and I, it didn't interest me. I lost a bit of love for the game and I was around it. I love working on it. I was um, you know setting up the golf courses and registering all the players and meeting Tiger and Greg and all the big names and I loved it. But I, I had no reason to play myself or or enjoy it as much because I was working a fair bit. Right? I was working full time, but then sort of five or six years later and having seen a lot of them play, I thought. You know, I don't. I don't think they're that good. I, I reckon I can have a crack, and right. I reckon I'd I'd have a chance at playing. Okay, and so just, little did I know. Just to go back on something you said then. So yeah. registering people like Tiger and Greg for yeah. tournaments. Yeah. So would you get a bit gooey over that? Hundred percent. Yeah. So when I first met Greg, it was I think '99, and in the uh, the tour office at Royal Sydney. And he walks into the room, and I, you know, I thought he was six foot ten. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought he's, he's not. He's only six. Well, he's, One? No, he's like six on the dot. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like right on the dot, and I stood up and I was looking him right in the eye, and I went, "Oh, he's not that big." Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a gooey moment. And I met, uh, I met, <laughs> I met Tiger over in um, at the Johnny Walker Classic in yeah. Thailand. I met him and had a good chat with him in the tour office for about. 10, 15 minutes, and, and and these guys, I must admit, I'd see them once a year. Greg, especially, I saw him after I first met him. Twelve months later, he walked in the tour office, and and straight away he said, "G'day, Ben." I thought that that's quite impressive. I'd met the guy once, you know, twelve months ago, and he may have, you know, found out my name before he yeah, went yeah, in there. That's, but that, uh, it was that, those little things that I noticed about those legends that. They remember names, and that, that was quite impressive. Yeah, that's one of the things I was actually... That was my first thought, is that there's someone with him, and they go, it's Ben. It's Because I've seen really yeah. famous people w- do walking, and, yes. and they'll be, have someone with them going, it's Anthony. Yeah. Here comes Simon. Yeah, correct. <laughs> okay. Right. That's right, but, but I was blown away by that, so um, I loved it. And then, yeah, then after five or six years, I left. I thought I'm going to go, and there was two reasons for it. Number one, I thought I could compete, and number two, I thought, worst-case scenario, if I... If I do my traineeship, I turn pro and I don't end up playing full-time, if I ever went back into the rules and became an official, I'd have a, a different level of respect because I, I would have been a player. I've been on that side of the fence and when I go and give the rulings, they, they'd be like my peers a bit yeah. more rather than, oh, who's this guy that yeah. plays off a handicap of three and thinks he's, you know, a gun? Yeah. If I was a pro, I'd be like, oh, he's a pro, he knows the game. So we, we, did, um, we did rules for the golf show together, which yeah. I actually really enjoyed because it was a... It was a fun way to look at something that's really quite sterile mm-hmm. and quite cut and dried. Well, but it, it always seems to take a long time. So what, what, what when, when you watch the pros, you sit there and go, for God's sake, the ball's touching the line, yeah. drop the ball. Yeah. Right. So how difficult is it dealing with professional golfers when you're making decisions for or sometimes against them? Yeah, look, it, to, for me it was really easy because a lot of them don't know. It's quite amazing. They've got no idea of the rules. And a lot of the rules situations that pop up in tournaments are quite simple. Like it's stroke play. It's not match play or teams events. It's stroke play. It's, uh, it's not stable for it. It's, there's no handicaps, all that sort of thing. There's just It's stroke play. The ball's on the line. It's not on the line. Um, it's on a cable. It's on a TV tower, that sort of thing. Um, the biggest thing, like with the rules of golf when you officiate at big tournaments is the pace of play because they're so bloody slow. Yeah. So they're so slow and you've got to go up to guys like Nick Faldo and tell them to hurry up and they look at you like, who the hell? Like, I'll do what I want. Like, who are you? And you feel about two feet tall. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, the, the, probably the harder rules are with the bigger players, with the big crowds and with the TV cameras on you that it'll be in a situation where, well, you're not too sure and the cameras are straight on you, so there's no second chance and you've got to get it right. And, and they're calling for a ruling all the time because it basically exonerates them from responsibility. If they call you over and the ruling's wrong, 
it's it doesn't it doesn't affect them. It affects them, you know, whether they get the drop or not. So but you, they won't get disqualified. You've, you've given you've had to give rulings to Norman. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah. So when he gives his death stare, which he <laughs> seems to be getting particularly good at lately. Yes. Um, how how does that work? Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a nerve wracking moment. But again, I think when you're prepared properly for the tournaments and you know a lot of the situations there already. Um, like, is there an example of something that happened? Yeah, I or is it just pretty tedious, and we just what we just want to see good stuff? No, there's, there's a few unique ones, but um, yeah, probably the biggest ones when they ask for a second opinion because they think they're entitled to a second opinion. And I had one with Greg actually when he was on a he was on a uh, or near a sprinkler head up at the, the Coolum Classic, and it was one of the biggest crowds I've ever been in the middle of. And he called for a ruling, and I come out into the crowd, the TV cameras are on. He said, "I I get one to drop away from the sprinkler head." And I said, well, are you standing on it? He said, no. He said, is the ball on it? He said, no. He said, but, I, but it's in my vision. And I said, well, that's the, that's the telling point there, Greg. There's no relief for line of sight. It's only for live ball or swing only. And he said, well, I think that's bullshit. I want a second opinion. And I said, did, he say, well, did he say bullshit? He said bullshit. Yeah, he probably said a few other choice words. Yeah. He said, and then he said, I'm entitled to a second opinion. I said, well, you're not, Greg. I said, I said, I'm allowed to get a second opinion for you if I've, I'm in any doubt. But in this situation, I'm in no doubt that you don't that you get a drop. You don't get a drop, so you must play the balls that lies. And he looked at me, and then he looked he, he looked away. He looked at me again, and he sort of had a slight smile on his face, and he just said, "Thank you." And that was it. And I, and I left. That could have gone. That could have gone yeah. two ways. And and so, how old were you then? I would have been 21. Yeah. Right, so he's clearly gone, he's, I'll have a go at this bloke. Without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. And, and, and I, I've done a ruling with Tiger too, and he was very good about it. It was a simple one in New Zealand when he went over there and played at um, the New Zealand Open at Paraparam that year. And, again, it was a pretty nerve-wracking moment. But that, that was one of the reasons why I did, I did leave and turn pro, because I wanted to come back, obviously, a bit older and with a bit more respect. But in saying that, I, I was pretty lucky. I never made any major wrong decisions. I, I had a few... Um, doubtful ones, which is in the rules, you're pretty lucky because you always got a radio with you and you can call for someone to come and give their opinion or you can just double check a rule with someone and say, look, I'm about to give a guy a drop from this TV tower. Yeah. Is that right? And they'll come across and say, yeah, that's right or hang on, I'll come and check you. So, so you would have seen that thing with um, Patrick Reed and the uh, palm tree yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yes, yes, I did. That was quite an interesting one where um, he said, yeah, I think it's my ball. And he said, well, you've got to be virtually certain or you've got to be absolutely sure it's your ball. Yeah. And then he had another look. He said, oh, I'm definitely sure it's my ball yeah. now. So, yeah, that was... Um, he played that situation quite well. Yeah, until later. Until it was found out they were in a different tree. Yeah, well, you know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so, so what is it? what was it about the rules that attracted you? Because I, I'm, I'm kind of here for a ruling. Yeah. Or I'm here for an opinion anyway. Mm-hmm. Well... It just morphed into the rules. Like when I started with the tour, I was a, I was an administrator, registering all the players, and then I became a rules official, which allowed you to jump in a buggy and go and set the course up for the week. Uh, what a lot of people don't see is we're responsible for marking all the hazards and all the GUR and all the drop areas. We, we liaise with the greenkeepers on how long the grass should be and how quick the greens are going to yeah. roll. And then usually one of the each official gets assigned a front nine or a back nine. So, for example, I'd be down at uh, Royal Melbourne at one of the uh, tournaments and the back nine would be mine for the week, so I'd actually be responsible for the whole locations for all five You're days. Are kidding? For the, yeah, for that's the, the rule official's job. That's the rules official's job. So we'd go out... 
behind the field in the afternoon, still be on call for any rulings that need to be had, but we'd go out and start putting on the greens once the field had gone through and think about where the where, where the wear areas are, um, what the weather's going to do tomorrow, where the wind's going to be coming from, and we'd put a little paint spot where we want the hole cut for the next day, and we'd step it out and measure it, so put it on the pin sheet and give it to the greenkeeper, and he'd cut the hole where we put it. So that was another level of um, so, anxiety as well when the next day, if you've put it on the side of a hill or it's in a bad spot and like you've put it there, it's on you. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually had no idea that was a rule for officials' job. It is, yeah. When you, so the yeah. field's gone through, yeah. you start putting around the green. Yeah. Did you, we, would you be doing that and going, uh, Ben Doney, for the championship? 100%. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd go out to the hole where... You know, Els had just missed a three-footer yeah. for birdie, and I'd go and make it and go, geez, it's not that hard. Yeah, right. You know, I'd go, how easy is this? Okay. I can't believe he missed it. So, no, that was that was a wonderful part of the job, yeah, being able to, you know, go and play those whole locations where they had them and, and decide where they go the next day. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The reason I wanted to talk to you is that uh, it gets down to this wooden putter. Mm-hmm. So, as I said in the introduction, I made a wooden putter for myself out of timber from my deck. Yeah. It's, the putter is called The Deck. So good. And so good. That's awesome. And then I turned up at golf mm. the other day and on the, well, a couple of weeks ago and the, this guy said to me on the first hole, I'd, I hope we play together in the club championships because you will lose. And I went, oh, you don't know that? He goes, no, I do know because you'll be disqualified for using that putter. It's not certified. Right. Now, I know you're a rules official, not a certifier. Yeah. But, but can you help me with the issues around playing homemade? And I know there aren't many people who do it, mm-hmm. but the issues around homemade or home bludgeoned or repaired <laughs> golf clubs. Oh, I love it. I think there should be more of it. But, look, the bottom line with putters and the beauty of putters is as long as it's conforming and like there's a whole set of guidelines in the rule book as to length shape angles or you know faces materials all that sort of thing as long as it meets that criteria then the putter is legal it doesn't actually have to go off officially to a certifier and get a stamp of approval unlike a driver for example with face bounce and yeah with like the MOI the moment of inertia and all that and the measurements so so the RNA and the USGA obviously have come together now and they've released like a list of conforming drivers right so if you're playing an official event as an amateur or as a professional you have to have 
If you're using a driver, it must be on that list of conforming drivers. However, the, with a putter, there's no list of conforming ah. putters. Ah. So you don't have to get your putter on a list as long as it meets all the criteria. So your mate or your opponent mm. um, or Eddie, Eddie the expert, is going <laughs> to disqualify you. He needs to show where your homemade putter breaches the rules. So he has to find... So, it's, so it's, up, it's up to him yes. to find fault with my putter. Correct. Not for me. So I'm, I'm innocent till proven. Without a doubt. So you're using a legal putter. Because obviously when you made it, you followed all the rules and regulations that you were meant to and to ensure that it didn't, Why are you breach, any, it didn't <laughs> breach any guidelines. Yes. So he's got to find what's wrong with it. Okay. Let me, let me show you the putter. Okay. Um, there goes oh, my seven iron. Ah! <laughs> so I keep it in an old woolen sock, and it's yeah. made of Merbau. Oh, I love Merbau. I've got my deck made out of that. It's yeah. fantastic. So just, just talk through what you're looking at. So it's a... Uh, I'm just trying to think of the shape. It's a big block of wood on the end of a piece of steel. Um, I like the neck of the, the shaft. The shaft looks a little bit like an odyssey. Um, it's got a nice little sight line on the top in it. I'd say it's a reddish pink sort of line. <laughs> almost, it's, it's, it's almost a sunburnt flesh tone. Yeah, and I'm guessing there's a, there's a few lead weights in the bottom. Some are round, some are oval. Can't really tell what they are. They could be stones, it could be blue metal, I'm not sure. But um, the material looks great and I think Merbau would be conforming. It's made out of wood. So I'd say that was legal. And then the grip, I don't know, the grip's somewhere between a, uh, a squash racket and a hockey stick, I would say. But it's all sort of one shape and one material. So it looks pretty good to me. It's got a super stroke butt end on it, but I don't think it's a super stroke grip. No, it's a super stroke. So it's the it's the inside of a super stroke grip. Ah, gotcha. And then I peeled the, that, their rubber stuff off ah, okay, right. and replaced it with leather from a right. couch that I'd attacked. <laughs> I'd found that leather. So, like, because I make yeah. hickory grips the same way. And sure. it actually feels quite beautiful and then yeah. the head so what's going on in the head is there's bits of weight so this fishing sink is melted in a can of tuna right right so oh, that was a smell yeah no <laughs> very funny so what i do is a little can of tuna and i yeah. put a sinker in there melt it with a butane burner oh. right and then pour it into holes drilled into the putter oh, until wow. i got it to a weight that i was happy with gotcha. so which was about 370 grams okay, right. i think and then it's almost it's like 90% face balanced. Yeah, face balance. It's beautiful. Just a slight bit of toe flow. Yeah. But that's what I like with a with a with the shaft going into the neck of the top of the puddle. That's not a center shaft. Sort of it's in the heel a little bit. So to have a little bit of toe flow, that's really good. I yeah. like to see oh, it. It is good. I think it's great. Yeah. Oh, is it the actual thing? Oh, I think it's fantastic. No, but is that actually a thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So with a face balanced putter, normally I like to see the the shaft in the center. Yeah. You go straight back, straight through. But this is sort of like, you know, swinging on, on a slight arc and it would work quite well, I reckon. So, okay. yeah. So, look, you said... Uh, so when I showed Danny Vera, who's the mm. pro at Long Reef, where mm-hmm. I play, where you started your golf, yeah. he looked at it and laughed and then swore and said, did you think about putting any loft on it? And it does have four degrees loft mm-hmm. that I bastardly measured myself yeah, good. with a protractor sure. from my son's school protractor kit. Yeah. But but it seems to be so so what's interesting is it's not overly offensive to you 
on the eye? Not at all. No, it's um, it's obviously mallet style. Yeah. So it's um, it's probably quite forgiving. And it's and it's for some. It's for my opponent to prove it's illegal as opposed to it being illegal. Well, yeah. If you said you're going to be disqualified or it's non-conforming, he has to tell you why it's non-conforming. Because to me, it's got all the looks and feel of a conforming putter. Okay. Um, if, and, if, and that comes down to, you know, angles of the shaft and size of the grip yeah, I, and all that sort I of I did thing, look up so. the rules and it's like what having a shaft that bends way out in front of it. And it yeah. doesn't, it looks, look, it's an, it's a shaft from another putter, obviously, yeah. that I've found somewhere on the tip, maybe. Um, you know, it's a piece together, but it actually, do you, look, do you want to have a roll? Do you want to hit a couple of yeah, balls with it? it? No, just to wait. just to finish our thing, oh, sure. But uh, yeah, okay. Let's get your reaction to what it actually feels like. Let's do it. Right, so we're on the um, putting green at Terry Hills. Uh, Ben's got to go back and do lessons. What's the green surface, just for the record? So we've got um, beautiful bent greens here at Terry Hills, and they're rolling really nice at the moment. About ten and a half speed, even after a little bit of rain. Yeah. So they've got them rolling um, nice and quick for the Wednesday comp. Yeah, and there's lots of members here, sort of... It's good, isn't it? It's, like, great. All right, so just talk us through how you're looking at what you're looking at. And... Yeah, so first of all, I'm just getting a feel for the um, the angle of the shaft, just trying to see how it sits on the ground. It sits quite square. I think, for me, it's... Um, I use a blade-style putter. Yeah. So the head looks quite big to me. Um, and I think the face of it is quite deep as well. It's quite... Um, my face would be a little shallower, a little narrower. Yeah, I think it's about an inch... It's about an inch high. It'd be about an inch high, but it looks good. And then you've got a nice sight line on top, so I'm just going to set it up in the middle of that and just give it a little rock, see how it feels off the face. That's nice. It feels very soft, very buttery. It's quite good. A little bit different to my Scotty Cameron. Yeah. But it's, um, I don't know, I'd probably compare it to a... Persimmon head, like the old woods from Would back you? in the day. Yeah. yeah, it's got that sort of soft feel, and you know, sound is feel right. So when you hear it off the face, it's got a, a sort of softer, sort of mellow sound. Yeah, it's quite good. It's not a crack. It's not a loud yeah, sound. Yeah, it's not a ting. No. It's not a dink. And the weight of it, I must admit, the weight of it's really nice. The weight's right in the bottom, so it swings all right. Yeah, it's mm. good. Okay. Well, listen. I just want to say thanks for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for your expertise. You're welcome. Anytime. I'm going to... I mean, what do you think I should do? Like, is it worth trying to get it... Is there any value in getting it, say, USGA approved? Because there there are people who have wooden putters and have them at that yeah. level. Just, yeah. is it a process worth... And and what would I do? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't think there's any harm in asking the question and sending it off and getting getting them the experts to have a look at it yeah. but I, I would the one thing I would say is that you don't have to and I'd, I'd use as many and varied and make more of them and put them into play and let all the all Eddie the experts come along and try and try and disqualify you I think it'd be fun <laughs> <laughs> that's the point of the game Ben it'd be fun exactly golf's fun how good is golf alright thanks, thanks for your time thanks mate So that's Ben Doney. Uh, just he's terrific. In fact, I think I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a lesson off him because uh, I did watch him give someone a lesson while I waited, and it was pretty impressive uh, from where the lesson began to where the golfing player finished. Uh, so anyway, you can find Ben at Terry Hills. Lovely guy, really good fun. Um, 
And I hope you enjoyed that chat. So interestingly, there is an equation that you can apply to your golf club, your homemade putter or, well, we only talked about the putters. So you can apply an equation to that instrument that will tell you if it's legal or illegal. I, I think there's more to talk about. I think there's other thoughts to process. So um, on the next podcast, I'm going to talk to a wooden putter maker. So this is his, oh, he does other things. He's in America, so you know he's going to be good, good chatter. Um, So I hope you enjoy that. So Ben, again, thanks for your time and thank you for listening. If you are a maker of things, if you have a shed that you like to tool around in, like use your tools and tool around, um, get in contact with me. Let's know what you're up to. Send us a picture. Uh, Just do it at Andrew Datto on the Instagram. That'd be great Um, uh, because that's... I think it's the only social place that exists. All right, thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.